I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to part two of Off the Beat and Track podcast with Mark Moore of S Express. We pick straight back up where we left off. I don't really need to waffle anymore. Let's get straight back to the chat. Enjoy. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Right, so welcome back to part two of Off the Beat and Track podcast uh, with my lovely guest, Mark Moore. Hello. And we're going to pick up on your playlist now, and, yeah. and we're going to start to discuss the evolution of, of your career in music and, and S Express, yeah. and 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 I guess when. When I sent the questions over, it was track five that was the the, the, the part that I thought this 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 could get really good now. So, <laughs> you know, Mark, Mark Moore and clubbing that's 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 going to be exciting. So, were you DJing before you were producing? Yeah, I was DJing first. Okay, uh, I'd kind of dropped out of college because uh, I was going out all the time. Um, and, you know, I was going to clubs like, um, you know, I went to the Blitz a few times, Stu Strangers and the Rusty Egan's clubs. Um, first, My first club ever was Billy's. Right. Um, Steve Strange and Rusty Egan. You know, it's all kind of David Bowie, Roxy Music, Kraftwerk. So was that Club for Heroes? No, that was at Gossip... Goss, was it at Gossips in Maid Street? Right. Um, yeah. And um, then the Blitz opened up. I didn't go to the opening of the Blitz because um, I was in North Finchley by then. Um, I was, you know, I had a really good spell where I could stay at my uncle's house and with my cousins in North Finchley. And then my uncle and auntie left the house and stayed at this flat they had near where they worked in, in uh, King's Cross. So it's just me and my cousins in this, like, house in North Finchley. Just, how old were you then? Uh, I was 15 then. Fuck. That's um, a recipe for disaster yeah, right there, it isn't it? fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we had such a great time. Um, yeah, but that only lasted a couple of years, and then they, they sold the house, and I, I had to move into a, a bed set. Uh, was it nice to sort of experience that sort of family thing again yeah yeah that was great um so i was in this bed set and i had to get a job all the money went on the bed set i could hardly feed myself and i was getting skinnier and skinnier and then i got really ill and i i just thought this is i've had it i've had enough of this i'm gonna pack in the bed set pack in the job and just well i was, I was too ill to go to the job because i wasn't eating properly um and i moved into a squat with um, a friend of mine 
And by then my mum had got better and she'd um, been given a council flat and uh, she came out to the squat and there's like no hot water, no electricity. <laughs> she was just, she burst into tears and she was like, you can't live like this, come and live with me. So I went to stay with her in the living room of her one bedroom council flat. And the first night, I said, oh, oh, all right, mum, I'm going out now. And she's going, you can't go out. It's 10.30. <laughs> we need to have a chat, mum. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so it was kind of, you know, it, we'd argue all the time. And, it was, and you know, it was, it was bad. I dropped out and, um, of college. and um, uh, Was I 16? Maybe I was 16. And then... Um, she basically, you know, she kept going on at me. You're not doing anything. You're just going to these clubs and you're not, you know. And I said, look, if I had some space, I'd probably be able to do something. So she went, all right, your brother's gone to university. He's got a house in Wembley now. He's doing, doing quite well for himself. I'm going to move in with him. And um, you can have this council flat yourself and let's see if you do anything. And it was bizarre because I was going to Philip Salon's mug club, um, which had just opened up in the subway in Leicester Square. As a clubber. Uh, as a clubber, yeah. and I'd, I'd help Tasty Tim uh, carry, carry Tasty Tim's records, and he was doing the upstairs. James, Jay Strongman was doing the main floor. When the mug club opened, it was just one floor with Jay Strongman. Um, and then it got so popular, they opened upstairs, uh, and Tim was DJing upstairs, but he couldn't do the whole night by himself, so I'd kind of help him. Um, and then one day, Tim, Tasty Tim went away and asked if I could do asked Philip Salon if I could do the night. And, because, uh, you know, I'd be buying records. And I did the night. Philip rang me every day for a week going, you better not fuck up my club. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and that night, everyone went completely crazy. Um, you know, they were, trying, they were talking about getting someone to DJ with Tim. So, you know, finally it was obvious that I should get the job, which Tim was really happy about. So we'd DJ together and I'd still help carry the records. Yeah. You know, we were DJing upstairs. I mean, it had to be different from the main floor. Were you getting paid? Yeah, we were getting paid a, yeah. the huge fortune of £30 a night. Brilliant. <laughs> and actually, no, it's £20 a night. And we had to fight Philip Salon for a pay rise once we got really popular. Brilliant. <laughs> And, um, yeah, um, we had to play stuff different to the main floor. So we played all that kind of disco stuff that we loved as, as school, school. You know, we called it schoolboy disco because yeah. it's what we remembered from when we were at school. And we played glam rock and we played movie soundtracks. Um, and as the night got on, we played madder and madder records because in those days it was quite dressed up and quite posy. So we'd be like, yeah, you're all looking, you're all looking really fantastic with your makeup on and your, you know, your, your fabulous clothes that you bought. Let's see what happens if we put on Rupert the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone would go mental to like Rupert the Bear, play the Joe 90 theme. Yeah. Uh, and towards the end of the night, we'd just be like playing the, the, the theme from Crossroads. Brilliant. <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, we got really popular. And, um, and you know, we'd also play, the, um, again, we couldn't play what was being played on the main floor. So we'd play in this kind of electronic stuff. Uh, you know, like a bit of Dead or Alive, early Dead or Alive before they had the, the big hits, um, New Order and stuff like that. Um, electronic stuff, you know. Um, well, what was Strummer playing downstairs then? Uh, Jay Strongman. He was playing um, mainly uh, rare groove, funk, 
rockabilly. It's really eclectic. You, you suddenly hear, you know, Jackie Wilson, Reet Petit. Um, so, and early hip-hop, early rap stuff. So it's a really great, you know, fucking brilliant. mixture of music. Yeah, it's great. Um, and, you know, on the opening night at the Mug Club, uh, Malcolm McLaren came. Um, Philip got Malcolm McLaren to come. And um, uh, upstairs, Malcolm McLaren gave a, a barn dancing lesson to everyone, taught everyone how to barn dance. Because do you remember Jesus. Buffalo Girls yeah, course, came out? Yeah. And on the B side, it was like the country and western yeah. barn dance version of Buffalo Girls. So That's yeah, it, it was it was really um, amazing the mug club. Anyway, the, uh, the mug club would do these um, once every three months. They, um, Philip Salmon would take over Heaven and do a massive party at Heaven. Then um, Jay Strongman would do the main floor. Me and Tasty Tim would do the upstairs where we did our usual madness, disco and glam and whatever electronic stuff and yeah, um, bit of. Uh, I suppose, you know, Italo Disco, uh, we were and So what, what was the clientele there? The clientele there, it was, it was kind of um, the people, originally the people who would have gone, some of them would have gone to the Blitz. Most of them would have been post-punkers, post-punk people, and post-kind of new romantic, because it started in 1983. Yeah. Gay-friendly? Oh, totally gay-friendly, yeah. totally mixed. It was yeah. like, I'd say, 50% gay, 50% straight. Yeah. Because in those days, all, you know, all the cool, pe cool people would go to gay clubs, yeah. like Heaven, you know, Pyramid. Not, not, the, not the normal gay nights at Heaven, which were very kind of handlebar moustache and yeah, kind of yeah. clone kind of fashion. You know, they looked yeah. like the village people. Yeah. They'd go to the, the nights, um, the asylum, which was more alternative and played, um, you know, what we, you know, we were playing Dead or Alive, New Order, blah blah blah, Rupert Funk Two Four Two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so we we did the the ball there at Heaven, and the Heaven um, management saw everyone going crazy upstairs. So they gave me and Tim a job at Heaven for the alternative night. So first we were doing upstairs, and then um, Tim left to do. Um, uh, he was making his own music then, so he left and stopped DJing. And I got promoted to the main floor with um, Evil Eddie Richards and Colin Favor, um, who were fantastic. You know, I'd been hearing their music at um, uh, the Camden Palace and stuff like that. Um, and they, they were playing a lot of electronic stuff and... Uh, yeah, and I suppose some of the, the, the Paradise Garage stuff as well, yeah. you know. Um, so I started playing there uh, on the main floor, and I thought, oh, okay, now I can play a main floor set. So we concentrated more on the electronic stuff and just mixing the whole night, you know. It would be like Bronski beat and, uh, uh, I don't know, Front 242, Yellow, Cabaret Voltaire, uh, DAF. And we'd started getting these records that were coming out. We didn't even know what, what it was called. It didn't have a name in those days. This is like 85. And they were coming from uh, Detroit and Chicago, these records. And then eventually it was labelled house music and techno music. But like I say, when we were playing it, we just thought it was mad electronic music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we started pioneering a house sound. Um, and I really got into like 
trying to do nights where I just played this house this house sound, you know. And of course, on on the the nights at Heaven, it was originally the, the Asylum, and then it changed the, uh, from a when Thursday to a Wednesday, and then it became the Pyramid. Um, we started specialising in that kind of Detroit and techno sound, uh, Detroit and Chicago sound. Was, was was anywhere else in London doing that at that point? Not at that point, no, no. It was, um, it was, yeah, it's mainly there. And then um, people started coming down, like Danny Rampling, uh, Pete Tong would come down, and Paul Oakenfold, and and so had like them that. guys been to Ibiza yet, Rampling and. and um, I think they'd just been to Ibiza, right? And they were they'd come back, they'd heard Alfredo, and they'd like, yeah, house music, let's go check out what they're playing at Heaven at, yeah. at the at the Pyramid. Um, so yeah, I made friends with Paul Oakenfold and Danny. You know, Danny was lovely. He's going, oh, I've got this new club, and can uh, you know, can you come and play there? And it was Shum. Shum yeah. You know, and it was just starting up, um, and uh, you know, you could just tell uh, that this was going to be the future. You know, exciting, really exciting. Yeah, and then Paul would be like, um, oh well, you know, I'm going to do Heaven on the Monday. I'm going to do this night called Spectrum on the Monday. And I'm like, yeah, fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, I, I did a couple of guest spots there. Uh, but on the opening night, I remember loads of people just laughing and how's he going to do a Monday night? Who's going to go on a Monday night? That's ridiculous. And the first night was like 150 people and it's massive Heaven. Yeah. And it was brilliant. It was one of the best nights. And of course, everyone told a friend and then the next time it was like 500 people and then eventually it was queues around the block and you could see yeah this is going to take off this house music thing How amazing <laughs> yeah and so to, before we talk, in, talk about how S Express started to come in the, the, I did ask you to pick a track um, that, yeah. that you would use to, to sum up your clubbing uh, well, your years and, and, and I I, 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 is this through clubbing as a DJ or clubbing as a, as a club? This is clubbing as a DJ. Um, I, I was trying to think, this is probably the first record that I realised I had the power to break a record. Because uh, this, this record, Company B, um, it's, it's called Fascinated. Uh, it was kind of big in the States on the underground. Um, but it wasn't being played in in London at all. How did you hear it? And I, I just heard it from. Uh, um, I'd buy all the imports, and it was in the bargain bin. <laughs> no one wanted it. Yeah. And I remember playing it because I, I just fell in love with it. It's got a real kind of high energy sound, which was perfect for the gay clubs. Um, you know, it's quite a pop sound as well, and it, you know, it's, it's very American sounding. Yeah, it? very American sounding, and. Um, I'd play it at Heaven, and it wasn't long before it became this huge anthem. When I'd, I when I put it on, you could see people run from all all different parts of the clubs onto the dance floor. That's a nice feeling when you break yeah, a record, isn't it? Yeah, and and I remember the Bluebird Records signed it up um, for release in England. And Bluebird, what the strength of it being a, a dance floor hit in, in the clubs? Yeah, and well, well it's also because it, it was a, a dance floor hit in America. Yeah. They thought it, it could translate here, but it wasn't the right sound at that particular yeah. point in time. Um, and, and it wasn't a house music song either. It was it was a, a weird high energy kind yeah. of I don't know. Um, 
And the, I, I'd, I'd buy all my imports at Blue, Bluebird and also Groove Records as well in Soho and various other places. And I remember Billy from Bluebird was just, he knew I'd been playing this record and stuff. And, um, you know, he gave me a whole bunch of, a whole, like, box of these these records so I'd give them out to my DJ friends and uh, and also I had an interview at Radio 1 so I took them all into Radio 1 hoping that they played they never did that yeah. of course but it was it was really exciting because I felt like yeah I'm helping um, this music get, reach, reach a, a wider audience and I'd find other records in the bargain bin uh, like Love Can't Turn Around that came out originally no one wanted to know really? yeah and we played it in um, heaven, and it was huge. And I had to play at the mug club, and it was huge, you know, it crossed over. And then finally, they put it out, and it became a big hit. Yeah, you know? just a bit. Yeah. What a record. <laughs> well, before we pick back up on, on, on moving on from the, the DJ and a little bit to, to you as a producer and, 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 and S Express, I'm just going to ask you uh, your track six, um, which is where I ask you to pick. Your favourite song from an artist of your your hometown, which what you mean? My hometown of London. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite a big question. <laughs> it's like uh, I did think. Uh, <laughs> who do you pick from London? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, we, we've had people into like today that have lived in these sleepy little places out yeah. in Norfolk, and they you know, they were scratching around a little bit. But uh, I mean, the world's your oyster here, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, to me. Um, like I say, I, I was living in my mum's council flat, and that was just off the Harrow Road um, in West London, just near Notting Hill, when Notting Hill was undesirable. So was Mute Records on Harrow Road then? <laughs> and Mute Records was there, yeah. which is how I, I got my my music signed, because um, Mute Records was there, and I'd, I'd be going in there and, you know, getting, getting records from them and stuff. Um, and Rhythm King opened up, in that building. So I'd be hanging out there and just, you know, grabbing imports that they had sent to them that they didn't want. Yeah. Uh, and then I was, I'd just say to them, listen, you know, wh what about this record? Why don't you sign this record? Uh, um, Jeffrey Hinton's been playing I Love My Radio at Taboo, you know, Lee Barry's club, mm -hmm. Taboo. And everyone's been going crazy to it. Uh, sign that up, you'll probably have a hit. So they signed it up as their first top 10 record. And then I'd be like, yeah, you know, um, Tim Westwood's given me this dub plate, which he can't play because it's too housey. And it's um, by the Beatmasters and the Cookie Crew, and it's called Rock the House. And I've been playing it, and it's been packing the floor. Put that out, they put that out, that was a hit. And I got them to sign Renegade Soundwave, I got them to sign Baby Ford, and stuff like that. And then they said... Baby Ford? Yeah, they said... Children Revolution? Yeah, Children of the Revolution. They said, and Uchi Kuchi. Yeah. Um, they said, um, we've had all these hit records and, and you haven't even asked for anything. <laughs> Can we give you some money? And I'm like, yeah, give me some money. That'd be nice. Yeah. And then um, they said, is there anything else we can There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And I said, yeah, I've got some ideas uh, for a record, a, a sampling record, because I was really into hip-hop at that time. I was playing a lot of hip-hop at the Mug Club. Um, what, what sort of hip-hop at that point? Things like Run DMC and Double D and Steinsky and uh, the Def Jam stuff, which was uh, this kind of up-and-coming, but hadn't quite, you know... And, this and Simeon was doing the same yeah, thing at that point. There's a new band called Public, Public Enemy that we were really into. They done all right, didn't they? Huh? They done all right, didn't they? They did all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... You know, my, my thing was based on hip-hop. Theme from S Express was really taking all those hip-hop ideas, but doing it as a disco record instead of as a hip-hop record and seeing what that would sound like. Um, so, yeah, they, they, I said to them, you know, you could put me in the studio. And they said, look, look we're going to put you together with um, Pascal Gabriel, who's, you know, he'll help you around the studio. And So me and Pascal got on really well. He liked the same things I liked, yellow and all that electronic stuff. And we just kind of jammed around in the studio with the ideas. I, I knew I wanted to sample, you know, Rose Royce and Karen Finley and this, that and the other. I had, you know, all the, all the things ready to be sampled. And we just got together and wrote some new bits for it, new bass line, and got some friends in to do the S Express. And, uh, and then we carried on doing stuff. So we did the B-sides and did Superfly Guy and did a few things yeah. um, before the first um, theme from S Express came yeah. out. You know. um, and that's how I started doing music. And so when, when you kind of sat back and finished that track, the theme from S Express, yeah. did you think, was the DJ and you thinking, this is going to go off? I thought it was going to go off at Pyramid on the Wednesday night. And that was it. I didn't think it would go off anywhere else. Because yeah. it, was, it was disco. Yeah. And disco was still a dirty word. Yeah. And I thought um, people are going to be like, what the hell has he done? He's made a disco record. Yeah. This is verboten. Um, you know, you, you had people like the Pet Shop Boys talking about disco but they were yeah. coming from a more boys town yeah. Bobby O Patrick Cowley end yeah. of high energy disco sort of um, but you know this was like you know 70s flavoured disco uh, which was, was would only be done as kind of like as a kitsch thing before although some would say theme for Mass Express was kind of kitsch but you know it was it was this weird thing that I thought would just work for me and my, my clubs and that would be it. But it would be this kind of oddity that we'd be able to build on and do more weird things in a kind of... Because the next um, single, that which I had, me and 
Pascal had planned was Superfly Guy, mm-hmm. which was, you know, we were kind of running along a kind of disco black exploitation yeah. kind of thing, because uh, I loved all those old movies, those black exploitation movies. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be. I thought it deserved to be big, but I didn't know it was going to be big. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of right, <laughs> didn't it? Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is. The songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Um, okay, well, well, we'll drop back on to, to, to sort of S-Express, uh, uh, bringing it up to, to now after. I want to go back and, and, and get your, your song choice from... Uh, your artist from your hometown. Oh yeah, the artist from the hometown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, living in in um, West London. Uh, West London was amazing then. You know, it was all about the Clash and the Slits. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was just, and also you had all Rough Trade, and you had all the the Slits had gone kind of all kind of. I don't know, kind of um, world musicy mm. kind of. You know, it's, it's almost like I don't think people knew had the, coined the term world music. Really, yeah. they were almost pioneers of that. They started doing all that Afrobeat stuff, and um, suddenly all the fashions were were changing. You know, they were wearing all this kind of African kind of influenced outfits, and they were getting kind of dreadlocks before it was. Yeah. Um, You'd see that on white people, really, you know. Uh, it was a really amazing place, and Saturday Portobello would be a real meeting place, you know. And I lived I lived there for a long time. Once I started doing all right for myself, I moved from my council flat. I thought, I'll stay in the area, I'll move up the road to Maida Vale, which is a bit posher. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I was still in the, in the area, you know. And it was great for a while. Um, but I moved from... Um, West London about four years ago to uh, um, De Beauvoir, kind of North London, near, kind of near near Hoxton and Shoreditch, but yeah. far away enough that you're not in the madness. Yeah. Um, because West London got really boring, it lost all that that magic. Yeah. And what reminds me of West London is is the Slits record, um, Newtown, uh, you know, which is not talking about. London, it's talking about probably, I don't know, <laughs> all those new towns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love, um, you know, the, just the, the lyrics of it, you know, wandering around, um, sniffing televisino, and uh, was it taking footballino, <laughs> all these kind of things you do to, to relieve the boredom. Um, and yeah, it, it's when that Slits came, album came out, uh, they worked with Dennis Bovell, and it was brilliant because he took their punk sound and he made it kind of, he kind of reggified it. Mm. And they were really into getting a bit more um, into reggae. So they, they, it was amazing. It still sounds brilliant now, 
But I also love the original punk versions that they did. And yeah. this, the John Pill session of Newtown, is, it preserves that original punk sound, how it sounded before yeah. they worked with Dennis Bovell. More, um, more raw. And, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, they're both brilliant to me, both versions. Fantastic. Uh, All right. So before we, we move to your final track, so how, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you was a shy kid and could still be shy. Yeah. How did you find being a pop star? Uh, <laughs> it's weird, I just, I just kind of slipped into it. It was, it was kind of like... Um, <sighs> How'd you experience sort of a bit of adulation for being a DJ yes. and things like that? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, 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 I can only put it down to I, I lived most of my teenage years in a bubble uh that bubble of going to all those gigs and then after that going to all those clubs it was it was your own little world the punk world the 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 post new post punk world the post new romantic world the world of clubbing and then being a dj yeah um you probably you probably felt the adulation more as a DJ in those early days because, you know, you were there in the thick of it and people were coming up yeah. and bringing your presence and you were accessible to them uh, on a day, you know, on a weekly basis. So, yeah, you kind of got used to it in a yeah. way. Um, and, you know, it, it, I, I always thought of S-Express as... I know it might sound a little bit pretentious, but as a performance art kind of project where I put together this band, it's like, is it a band? Isn't it a band? What do these people actually do in the band? Um, they were just my friends, really, because I knew it'd be really boring to be promoting this record yeah. by myself. I'd rather have my friends coming along and we were having yeah. a laugh. Um, you know, some of them did things on the records, some of them didn't, you know. Um, and it looked great. We could we could make up all these mad ideas for videos and stuff like that. So we started almost like um, pretending that we were pop stars before we were, and then the first records became a pop hit. So yeah. suddenly it's like, hang on, are we pretending or is this real now? Yeah, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> so yeah, you, you kind of slipped into it, and uh, because. You know, taking nothing away from the credibility of S Express, but you'd be in Smash It's. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah, how, how yeah. was that being in like you know as as much as the NME were, were yeah. loving you, and Melody yeah. Maker and Sounds and that. <laughs> Smash It's was the ultimate team pop. Yeah, mag, team pop. Do you know what I mean? Do you know I loved Smash It's. Yeah. I, I would be buying Smash It's along with the NME and, yeah. and Melody Maker and Sounds. Yeah, um, and I loved it, and and. and I love the humour of it yeah. and the kind of, you know, the, just the, the way they kind of idolised pop music but also t took the piss out of pop yeah. music. And I just thought that, that was perfect. So, yeah, I had, I had no problems with Smashers whatsoever. It's, it's crazy <laughs> to think that the four publications we've just mentioned no longer exist, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and they were, they were your Bibles, weren't yeah. they? They were your go-tos, yeah. you know, that, that was where you could find out about music you know yeah. and you know uh, okay well the last track um i asked guests to submit is a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear ah and so what have you gone for well we're going like? back to my my punk and post-punk years again um and it's a band called big in japan 
Um, Which and is a fantastic name for a band. Yeah, and the um, the track I've chosen is is called uh, I can't remember. Suicide Go Go. Suicide Go Go. That's yeah. it. Yes, <laughs> Suicide Go Go. And um, I just remember hearing this on John Pill, and it's an EP that came out, and every all four tracks on the EP are just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know which one to pick, but I, I picked I picked this one. Um, and what's weird is that Big in Japan were a super group. But they were super group before they became super. Yeah, because you know they weren't actually big in Japan or anywhere really. Yeah, such, they weren't were they? big at that time, and it mm. was all um, Bill Drummond and Dave Balf. And well, I've got a list. Yeah, so read I, it of, out. of who was in it. So Bill Drummond, who for, for listeners that aren't aware, KLF. KLF, yeah. Uh, Ian Brody went Ian on Brody. to be in Lightning Seeds. Yeah. Um, Clive Langer, who went on to produce some, some incredible works yeah. for that. Madness. Um, and, yeah. And, was it Madness? Uh, yeah, Madness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Budgie. Budgie, who, um, who, who drummed on the Slits album, um, first Slits album, yeah. and worked with, um, and was with the Banshees, yeah. and oh, well, with Susie. Yeah, with the Banshees and Susie. Holly Johnson. Holly Johnson playing bass. Really? <laughs> before, yeah, before um, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Um, and, and David Balf. Is it Balf or Balfi? I, th- I don't know, actually. I always say Balf. So I didn't know too much uh, about him. Um, but I've since found out that Blur's Country House is written about him. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. Um, How funny. Uh, because he worked at Food Records, or was one of the main yeah. guys at Food, and he was at Zoo as well. Yes, it? Zoo. Yeah. It came out on Zoo, this record. Um, yeah. But you yeah. know, most, most important, Jane Casey on yep. vocals, who I had a picture of her on my wall for for ages and she just looked incredible i mean she's got it's almost like on the cover of the the ep it looks like she's been shot in the head yeah and like there's blood coming down yep. but i think it's her hair it's yep. actually her hair or something she's got a shaved head with this like strand of hair yeah. coming down and she just looked like she was from outer space and then she just had this most amazing post-punk voice which you'll hear when you listen to the records yeah. kind of high-pitched and but kind of threatening but but kind of seductive, but kind of just crazy. Yeah, amazing. And I just thought, oh my gosh, she's incredible. And then I'd never met her. And then one... She never really done a lot musically after that band. She did um, Pink Military. Sorry, yes, yes. Pink Military, Military Standalone, Pink Industry, etc., etc. So she did stuff. And she even did, um, in the the house music years, she did, um, when it was all the... She did something... uh, a dance record, but I, I um, when the super clubs happened, I'd be going up north every every week, every weekend, playing at places like Gate Crashers in Sheffield and Money Pennies in Birmingham and um, uh, Cream in Liverpool. Um, and I remember playing there, and they had this girl doing the PR for them, and she was this really amazing PR girl. She did PR for everyone, including the KLF. I mean, and that's was, a job, isn't it? Yeah, PR for KLF. Yeah. Wow. And it was Jane Casey. Oh, really? And she was there in the DJ box. So I was just going, oh, my God, Jane Casey. You don't realise how amazing you are, Jane Casey. And everyone's like, why is he making such a fuss over her? I don't think they knew about her yeah. past. You know, she was just giggling, you know, just... <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah. So, before we finish, what's, what's the day in the life of Mark Moore now, then? Day in the life now. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to have as much fun as possible. 
I must admit, I put the DJing on hold for a little bit. I'm just doing certain things that I yeah. know are going to be really good fun. Um, I'm doing a little bit of music. I'm doing a bit of writing. I've been writing for Friends magazines and trying to do my own writing as well. Um, uh, I've done a, a couple of tracks for a, a forthcoming film, which is, I don't know if it's in production yet, but I've done the tracks for the club scenes in it. Um, but I guess now, yeah, I'm trying to have as much fun as possible. So I'm going to do a lot more. I went to the Philippines earlier this year. I'm doing a lot of the stuff that I keep saying I'm going to do, but I've been too busy to do. So I went to the Philippines. They've got like 900 islands, and I, I did five of them. <laughs> broke the back of it then. <laughs> so that was amazing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just... I just want to kind of do a bit of work and and uh, um, and enjoy myself and just go to a lot of things and experience a lot of things and try not to be as busy as, as I used to be so I can yeah. see people a bit more and have yeah. quality time a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, Mark, I appreciate that you've, you've made time to come and, and My have a pleasure. Chat I've really uh, enjoyed it, Mark. And me too. I always enjoy it <laughs> with you. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark. It's, it's, yeah. like say, it's really kind that you've come and done this and... And I can't wait for people to hear it. It's, right. uh, what, a, what a brilliant story. And yeah, if you're famous and, uh, and you're out and you still live at home with your parents and, <laughs> and some guy knocks on their door and comes in for a cup of tea, that'd be Mark Moore from Essex Press. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Nice one. Well, there you have it. What an episode, right? Should I be saying that about my own podcast? Yeah, I can. I'm, I'm directing it more at Mark, obviously, not not my lispy mumblings, but a massive thanks to Mark for coming to the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, and thanks to those guys, obviously. Um, it was a fantastic chat. I'll, I'll, every time I see Mark, I learn so much more about music, and and it's just nice to spend time in his company because he's a absolutely smashing fella, and, yeah, I look forward to getting him back on at some point. Um, yeah. Thanks ever so much for you guys for listening. The easiest thing to do if you did enjoy this podcast is go over to iTunes, Acast or whatever um, place you go and get your your podcast from and, and just subscribe. Then they just pop up on your listening device. Um, yeah, that's me done. I will see you next week for another episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. Have a lovely week. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 